Welcome to the Women on Fire podcast. We're on a mission to help you have your best menopause and rest of your life. I'm your host, Jenna Moore. I'm an accredited integrative health and menopause coach, and I've studied nutritional awareness, women's hormones through a functional medicine lens, and explored various modalities, including breathwork, mindset, and positive psychology. Join me and my guests as we discuss how to navigate the natural life transition of menopause and growing older. From waistlines, waning libidos and what to wear now we're over 40, we discuss it all. Women on Fire is sponsored by Men Me, a New Zealand-based Australasian company by women for women. Men Me specialises in scientifically validated all-natural supplements so you can experience freedom in menopause. Today I'd love to introduce the subjects of caffeine and alcohol because they can be confusing to the best of us. I've even done my health and menopause coach training and I get confused. So firstly, let me say that when it comes to caffeine, or rather coffee, because really we're concentrating on coffee here, it can be quite individual because it depends on how you metabolise it. Like so many things in the wellness field and to do with your health, it is bio-individual, we are all different. So caffeine is metabolised by the liver using certain genes. The DNA sequence of this gene dictates how sensitive you are to caffeine. There are three levels. There's hypersensitivity, and this might mean you experience insomnia, jitters, or increased heart rate when you have coffee. Then there's normal, so there's no troubles as long as you consume it early in the day. If you have it later in the day, it may keep you awake. And then there's hyposensitive, which you experience no adverse effects. It's a bit like menopause, really. But the general consensus is that your sensitivity can increase as you grow older. So you can become more sensitive to the caffeine and coffee as you grow older. But as I say, even after doing my training, coffee still confuses me. On the one hand, it's filled with antioxidants and polyphenols, and studies have shown it may help prevent depression, some cancers, type 2 diabetes, and have a moderate preventative effect against Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And how many of us love the ritual? It's just a lovely thing to go and have coffee with friends. On the other hand, studies have also linked caffeine with insomnia and mood swings and a few other things that we're going to talk about in one second. And I have to say, with both coffee and alcohol, if you are struggling with symptoms of menopause, it's best to avoid them. I can hear the groans of all you coffee and vino lovers out there, but there are good reasons, very good reasons, I'm suggesting this, so please hear me out. It's my job to try and guide you to having your best perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause years. So during perimenopause, which is when symptoms can be at the most intense, I can call this triage or the need for intensive care. This is the time when our body is talking quite loudly to us, and we really need to listen if we want to have an easier time of it. When I was in this time, I simply had to remove coffee and alcohol. 
With them, I experienced anxiety. They triggered multiple hot flushes and sleep issues. And that was even when I was taking Menome. This is purely anecdotal, but I wonder by doing that if I was diluting perhaps some of the beneficial effects of the 40 plus. But when I avoided them, and I often use myself as a guinea pig for these things, I look at the data and the science out there, and if there's conflicting evidence, which there is, uh, with coffee, caffeine, and also with alcohol, and what I found when I avoided coffee and alcohol was that my symptoms became minimised, which was a beautiful thing. So some of that is to do with the liver, which is our largest detoxifying organ. I mean, our bodies are amazing works of art. They are incredible pieces of science or biochemistry, and they work very, very hard. And like I say, one of those organs that works really hard, probably one of the hardest working, is our liver. So part of the liver's detoxifying role is to get rid of excess hormones, particularly estrogen. It does this in two pathways, and caffeine and alcohol can slow the process down. And if the liver can't do its job properly, to put it simply, the estrogens may be recirculated, and if this happens, symptoms can then be magnified. But there are a lot of other reasons why caffeine and alcohol can magnify signs and symptoms. So let's just look at a few. Okay, so caffeine first, or as I say, coffee first. Although caffeine can be in chocolate as well, but it's probably its most potent perhaps in in coffee. Certainly that's where I notice the effects most anyway. So it can cause cortisol, the stress hormone, to be released and rise. This is not great for your adrenals. You really want to nurture your adrenals and your liver that I was talking about earlier, during all stages of menopause. It's also not great for sleep, for your waist measurement, for your mood, for energy or the immune system. Or, and this is really important, if you have an inflammatory condition. And another point about cortisol, it can be one of the culprits behind belly fat because it encourages fat stores there and they're really really stubborn fat stores that are very very hard to get rid of. So it's also well known that caffeine can interfere with sleep. It's a stimulant and it has a very long half-life. In fact it can take 10 hours to clear from your bloodstream so that's huge right? Caffeine also or for our purposes coffee revs up your nervous system, which is why it can trigger anxiety and heart palpitations. And I know it used to, I can almost count on it if I had a coffee, that I would get anxiety. And I'd never experienced anxiety before perimenopause. It can also trigger hot flashes. There are many, many conflicting studies on this, but again, it comes down to the individual But in my own experience and from many other women I've spoken with and worked with, a cup of joe, as it's finally called, can definitely go hand in hand with hot flashes. Plus, another thing, it can damage your gut. It's all about the gut 
these days, isn't it? And that's for good reason. It's because we know a lot more about it and just how much it impacts our overall well-being from happiness to general health. And menopause, right? So caffeine is a stimulant and it releases gastrin. This is the main gastric hormone, which is okay if you're doing well digestively. It's not so great if you're not, and so many people are not doing well with their digestive system these days, and it certainly seems to get impacted during menopause as well. Another thing that caffeine can do is it can relax the smooth muscles of the colon, which is why some people get the runs or feel the need to do a poop after a coffee. That's maybe a lesser known fact, I think. It can also affect the thyroid, and this is important as midlife can impact the thyroid anyway. So it's a little bit like adding fuel to the fire. And one reason that caffeine contributes to inflammatory conditions, say like chronic pain and autoimmune disease, is that it's acidic in the body. A healthy body is an alkaline body. So when it's varying to the acidic or lower pH, it can contribute to many inflammatory conditions, but also to osteoporosis, which is a huge risk factor for us as we head into menopause, but certainly in post-menopause. It weakens your bone density. So it's really important to keep your bone strength up in menopause, but particularly in post-menopause. The other super important thing here about caffeine slash coffee is that if you suffer from bladder issues like urge incontinence or overactive bladder, which both are the worst, I know, they can be really inconvenient and embarrassing, but caffeine can irritate the bladder, so they can make you more susceptible to those things occurring. And what you put in your coffee makes a difference too such as a lot of people add milk and certainly sugar, but that's another story. I have to tell you though that it's summertime as I'm talking about this and I don't usually have caffeine or coffee during summer, uh, but we haven't had such a great time of it lately. And the other day I went out and I grabbed a coffee And I have not had this experience for probably two years. As I said to you very early on in the piece, I had to avoid it completely when I was very, very symptomatic. But um, since I've reached calmer waters, I've introduced coffee back into my day. Usually decaf, but sometimes if that's not convenient, I'll have a standard coffee, which is what I did the other day. And... Almost immediately, I went into anxiety and panic attacks, and it was not a nice um, experience, but it can depend on where you are during your transition, where your hormones might be sitting on any particular day, and also what's going on in your life at the time. So now on to alcohol, and again, I hear you groan, right? I get it. I used to be such a wine lover, but now not so much, and I know I have to be careful. I have to really measure myself. So alcohol is a toxin. 
and it can cause so many things to happen in our bodies. Plus, as a woman, we're more sensitive to alcohol than the guys. This is because we're usually smaller and our bodies process alcohol differently. We have less of something called alcohol dehydrogenase, which are enzymes that break down alcohol in the liver and the stomach. And alcohol dehydrogenase is far less active in women's livers, and we also have a higher body fat water ratio compared to guys. Plus, as we grow older, our bodies hold less water. That's why our alcohol levels rise more quickly than they do for men and the lower water volume that occurs naturally with age impedes the way we dilute it. When it comes to menopause and alcohol, again, there's conflicting science. Like I said earlier, one of the liver's jobs is to detoxify excess estrogen. And because alcohol is a toxic substance, the liver must prioritise it. But the detoxifying liver action of our youth isn't as functional. Mixing menopause and alcohol can become quite damaging for women. But that seems to be a case of not always, like most things. According to the International Menopause Society, light to moderate drinking, in some instances, and I have to put um, an emphasis on in some instances can be helpful but heavy drinking is risky and I'm going to give you those guidelines in a little minute but let's have a look at some of the things alcohol causes to happen in our bodies. It's a vasodilator in that it relaxes and expands blood vessels, speeds up the heart rate and after having a drink the skin can feel warm and maybe sweat. Hello, hot flush. But this can depend where you are on your transition. For example, I always used to have a hot flush when I had a glass of wine. Now that only happens occasionally. It can also contribute to leaky gut where your intestinal wall is compromised. This can lead to so many things including bloating, gas, diarrhea, irritable bowel syndrome and food intolerances. And on a nutrient level, it can also rob us of much-needed vitamins and minerals such as vitamin B, magnesium and zinc. And have you ever noticed that drinking can make you hungry? But not for a salad, more for a plate of fries. Well, according to some studies, one reason is that it stimulates the hypothalamus in the brain to increase appetite. Alcohol can interfere with the way you metabolise estrogen and it's really, really important to know that even one drink a day can make you more at risk of breast cancer for this reason. It's also very bad for sleep. Although you may feel that a glass of wine helps send you off to sleep, you could also find that it will wake you up at 2am. This is because it affects the liver lowers melatonin, which is our natural sleep hormone, rest hormone, and disrupts the circadian rhythm. In addition, alcohol is very, very bad for the brain. If you look at the scan of the brain of a 52-year-old woman who drinks and one who doesn't, and it's also aging because it's dehydrating, and lack of hydration is one reason alcohol intake can make your skin look drier 
and make you not feel so energetic the following day. Hydration is so important to your skin and your energy levels and so many other things. But like I say, it all comes down to bio-individually and how much we drink. So it's a good idea to keep track of how much you're drinking. As many glasses that we drink from these days are far bigger than a standard drink. A standard drink only contains 10 grams of alcohol. Some other tips are never drink on an empty stomach. This is always important, but when you become more alcohol or caffeine sensitive, it's even more so. Go for organic, which contains fewer additives that mess with your hormones. Red wine is higher in polyphenols and resveratrol than white wine. Swiss water decaffeinated coffee goes through less of a chemical-laden process than standard decaffeinated coffee. Hydrate is an old rule and good advice for any age to match every glass of wine or coffee with a glass of water. So just as every woman's journey through menopause is different, the same is true of how you process alcohol and caffeine. If you've come through perimenopause and into postmenopause, the general evidence shows that perimenopause should decrease. However, if you still experience the symptoms like mood swings, hot flushes, bladder issues, and having your daily tipple, alcohol or caffeine could be the culprit. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women on Fire. If you'd like more information, please head to our website www.menome.co.nz. <laughs>